0: Naomi Bacon is the founder of Tandem Collective, a company known for marketing books exceptionally well. Thank you. Naomi has a background in marketing and public relations and has worked with organizations including the Blair Partnership, that's J.K. Rowling's agency, Pottermore, Pan-McMillan, Penguin, and Hachette. Hachette. Her ambition has always been to be at the forefront of digital innovation, creating meaningful connections between publishing partners, content creators and brands to generate word of mouth around new book, film, theater and TV releases in 2020 she was named one of the top 150 most influential people in publishing by the bookseller magazine welcome Naomi to the bibliophile
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: so word of mouth that's that's been the ticket yeah for as long as books have been around
1: yeah that's the gold dust
0: and so if I get this right, you are using technology to or not amplify, but just to basically do the same thing. Is that it?
1: Yeah. And I think for me as a marketer, you know, spending, spending years in house trying to come up with new creative campaigns where there was absolutely no capacity to, to measure the impact. Um, that yeah. was where my frustration came from prior to setting up tandem. Um, and the whole, the whole reasoning behind tandem is to, to find ways to almost quantify word of mouth uh, and, and quantify that form of marketing. And you know, as, as, a, as a marketer, word of mouth is always going to be your most powerful tool for recommendation. So how do we how do we create that in a way that is, um, I hate the word authentic, but you know. A natural and, and real. Um, and so that's, that's what kind of Tandem is all about.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You went straight to measuring it uh, mm. because, you know, historically you hear, well, you know, advertising works, but we're not quite sure what, what half of it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, we know that it works, but damned if we know exactly how it works mm. is that what you're getting at
1: well when when you're an agency, I think you know you can with with the the best will in the world you can have wonderful ideas but if you can't show how you're contributing to the bottom line you know yep. you need your clients to be able to say look at what these look at what this agency can do uh, and look how they contribute to book sales so it was, it was one of my kind of very tenuous ideas at the beginning. I mean, Tandem was just me and a business partner right at the beginning, and I was doing every single role from, from finance through to social media. And <laughs> right at the beginning, I thought to myself, let's capture data where we can. So when we had a very small pool of, of um, they're not even influencers, but we call them micro-influencers, but they maybe have 50 followers up to 50,000 followers. Uh, Really, they're just peers. Um, But at the end of every campaign, we would ask them how many um, Instagram grid posts they'd done, how many story posts they'd done, um, how many people had directly messaged them to say they bought the book off the back of seeing a recommendation. So what we've got now, four years into running these read-alongs, is four years' worth of data so we can start measuring you know what what the optimum follower count for an influencer is to sell the maximum number of books what number of uh, instagram story posts are needed for the highest engagement so we can start kind of plotting trends and and seeing um, yeah seeing those patterns uh, over the course of four years now
0: you just said that they wanted to get feedback about how many books, yeah, were bought or or by their followers, but that's just yeah. a volunteer thing. That's not that's not going to give you specific numbers. Like
1: exactly, it, it's, no. it's a very exactly all we can get from that is the number of direct messages that they got. So the actual people that took the time to buy the book and message the person that they're following to say, thanks to your recommendation. Right. That that discounts all of the, however many people that simply saw the post and went and bought the book and didn't direct message. So there's a whole pool of people out there that are also contributing that we can't capture. So it is very, that's very much an anecdotal piece of data. Uh, What we're working towards is how do we, almost become a bookseller in our own right. So we will also be able to contribute to TCM uh, every time we run a campaign.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: As a bookseller, when someone buys a book, having it contribute to the total number of book sales. So very differently to, I could buy books from the warehouse and sell them on, you know, at, at RRP, but that wouldn't contribute to the top 10 bestseller list. So in order to contribute to the bestseller list, you have to be selling as a bookseller. Does that make sense?
0: Um, no.
1: So in order for a book, so obviously the marketer, the clients that we work with, they want every sale to contribute to getting their book into the top 10 bestseller list. Right. So in order to do that, you have to sell through a bookseller or bookshop.org or Amazon or Waterstones or whatever it might be. You have to sell through a bookseller. Yeah. Uh, Whereas you could buy books from the warehouse and sell them on a price, but they won't then contribute to the top 10 to getting the book into the top 10.
0: Okay. so in other words, books that are bought directly from the publisher don't count.
1: No, Exactly. That's it.
0: Ah, okay. Well,
1: from, from the, yeah, from the publisher's warehouse, yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. So it has to go through a bookseller. So that's where we're sort of looking at how do we collaborate with booksellers so that when we're working on a campaign, say so it's the new John, John Grisham, how do we ensure that everyone that buys a book off the back of seeing the campaign that we're doing is directed to buy the book from a specific retailer so that we can then track the sales
0: So you would have like a special little code on all your stuff.
1: Like an affiliate link. Exactly
0: that. And that way you can say, Hey, look at our, our campaign. Look, we, we did this. Yeah. I
1: think where we've been able to see uptick in sales has been when, especially when we've been working on sort of very small shoestring campaigns for publishers and the sales, um, their sales director has been able to directly uh, correlate an uptick in sales with the activity that we're doing because there's no other competing activity
0: right that's always the a a good way to do it isn't it then so you know exactly this is what we spent with this company and that's all we did yeah exactly Um,
1: and the other area is is backlist as well so when we've worked on on backlist campaigns obviously there is no other marketing going on around them so we can again track the, the uptick in sales if we're working on a backlist title
0: yeah because often these these things on uh, on wherever where, whichever social media it is it's not just the front list it's the backlist too right
1: absolutely and that's been the, the power of tiktok to be honest yeah. it's, it's resurfaced yeah. so many books that you know, published a long time ago, um, but getting a second wind. So TikTok's been amazing for that backlist focus.
0: Okay. So why did you get into the book business in the first place?
1: I I always wanted to go into publishing since I was 15. I remember my mum giving me one of those Penguin career guides and I (laughs) looked through the books and there was editor. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's me. That's what I want to do. And I just did everything I could to get into publishing from from 15. I was already sort of working in the bookshop and I volunteered. And um, and then when I graduated, I just couldn't get a job. Um, It was during the recession and there were no publishing jobs and I didn't live in London. Mm. So doing work experience was, you know, was was tricky and costly. And I ended up, having to do kind of four waitressing jobs. I worked in insurance for a bit just to, to pay the bills. And meanwhile, I, I just showed up at every literary festival I could. I volunteered at every literary festival <laughs> I could. And okay. people started to see me and be like, oh, my God, here she is again. Um, so people started to sort of, yeah, know my name and, and recognise me. And eventually I got, I actually got a phone call from a film agency, film PR agency, saying your name's come up uh, as a potential candidate for an assistant role. You come in for an interview. And I got in there and and had the best interview I'd had to date, um, but I knew nothing about film. I knew nothing about digital PR. So I was sort of, it was all all going on kind of connection with the, the people interviewing me. And I went away thinking, bossed that, got a job, didn't hear anything. So I just persistently rang for two weeks and finally the PR director said, oh, come come in, we'll give you, we'll give you <laughs> just a Just stop calling
0: us, here's yeah, the
1: job. Yeah, and she said, come <laughs> in and we'll see what you can do. And that, you know, after a week it became a, a, a full-time job. But what what was amazing was meanwhile, they opened the publishing arm of the business and I got made the assistant on that as well as working on, on mm. the more established film PR accounts. And mm. I also got to kind of, I was I was um, an EA to the, the head of PR. So I was getting to understand the business structure and the model and, and I was sitting in on some of the really important meetings and understanding business development. So I got a kind of whole overview. And about eight months later, um, I got headhunted by... Pam McMillan, because they it was at the time when suddenly all the publishers wanted to bring digital expertise in-house because they, you know, prior to that had, had worked with agencies. So they wanted to bring social media people into the businesses. And I had fallen into this digital PR role. So I knew all about social media, um, having having never known anything about it previously. So I was able to sort of go in at a much higher level very quickly because I had the expertise that kind of niche expertise at the time and yeah it was a bit of a kind of a weird way round, but it was meant to be that way around because what I'm seeing now owning my own company is I'm still applying a lot of the lessons that I'd learned even from sitting in those meetings as a 22 year old and listening in and understanding how a business uh, grows and develops so thank goodness it happened that way and um, but I was at Pam McMillan for I want to say seven years um, and uh, very much kind of focusing on the, the digital marketing side and uh, working with influencers and the different zeitgeists at different times. So, YouTube was the big one when I was there.
0: Yeah. Why were they so keen on getting all of these marketers in house?
1: Like, mm. what,
0: what was that? To about? save
1: money, to save money and, and to bring that kind of digital expertise in house so there's more of a control and more of an understanding of it. Okay. you know, so I I think it was, yeah, more seeing that there was a new kind of role emerging. You know, that was the start of the social media manager role.
0: I see. Okay, You just had a cup of a a sip of coffee and I just had a sip of beer there.
1: Yeah. Cheers to that.
0: Because we're (laughs) in different time zones. Yeah. (laughs) But we both love books. So maybe that just is erased. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's our, that's our unifying asset.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So word of mouth is all about conveying enthusiasm. How a book uh, would have or changed your life or changed your outlook or uh, you had a great time with it. You learned something. And... Uh, I know when I interviewed uh, someone about TikTok, they were very keen on the fact that TikTok is, to use your word, authentic and genuine. And it's still real. It's not cultivated by marketing people. Joe, how do you go about that? Like, how do you go about making sure that this is all genuine instead of just fabricated?
1: Well, I mean, I I think I kind of agree with the the person that you were speaking to previously because I think it is it is real and authentic, but with social media there's always an element of curation and that's inescapable. Um, you know, even if it's just the way it's presented, that's what social is about. So yes, it might be presenting your kind of honest opinion on on a book or a film or whatever, but there is an element of curation it's not going to be quite the same as me turning to my best friend and giving her my honest opinion Mm. um because as soon as there's a screen in front of you there's a performance there there's something performative in it even the way you know the backdrop set up yeah I, I think we have to kind of always be conscious that there will be an element of curation with social media of all of all forms maybe be real is is the kind of new, you know, I think that's kind of pushing the boundaries of of curation because you can't, you haven't got time to curate your your setting, your scene, what you look like. So I think with TikTok, uh, there is always going to be that element of performance. But I think the way to work with with, um, creators in that space is firstly working with smaller creators. It's immediately going to be more... um, more real um, because they are kind of less versed in creating marketing videos and secondly giving them an open brief you know we the way we work with them is we will give creators challenges a handful of challenges but they can interpret however they like in whatever style whatever format the problem is a lot of clients don't want that and they want to be able to give a very Firm brief of what they're looking for and they will want approval over videos or over the videos that are being created so you know a creator will create a video or go to the client for approval if they're not keen there'll be changes that need to be made if something's being said that they don't want to be said uh, that will need to be removed so I, I mean it's curated and yes. there's no about that um and I, and uh, being cynical you know I'm not a cynical person in the slightest but I, you know, I work in social media and I think that's why I hate the word authentic, because I think it it can't be. And that's just not the nature of of social.
0: Well, there is. I mean, there are people there are people who just go on there like I might just to talk about stuff, you know, books that I like or I'm not getting paid by anyone to do it. And no one's telling me to do it.
1: But I think, you know, with with Instagram, with the read-alongs that we run on Instagram, it's not a paid for activity, it's a volunteer activity. So right. people sign up to be on a read-along. We maybe get several hundred applications and we maybe have 30 slots. So we know that the people that are applying genuinely want to be involved in that
0: yes. campaign. Right. And there
1: isn't any payment, but there is still curation because you're still you're still wanting to present your images in a specific way. And, you know, even though you genuinely are wanting to engage with that content, that book, that author, you're probably also not going to to put a scathing review up there because you don't want to sort of annoy anybody or annoy the author. So you kind of aren't going to deliver anything (laughs) negative. No. You know, I, and and I, I'm all for that. I don't like negative social media. I think sentiment in that space should be positive.
0: I like honest social media. Yeah. I do like it. I do like it when people crap on books.
1: I see. I'm the opposite. I think I would do that to a friend. I think when there's immediately a public-facing aspect, there's people it, you get into the kind of danger zone of upsetting the author who has spent years writing that book um, and you know fine not everyone's going to love it but I also think having that public negativity is obviously going to be hurtful Um, and also you you frustrate the people that have loved the book because I think you know if someone goes in with a, a really kind of vitriolic or scathing review but it's not shared by others I think there was also the sort of cancel culture element that 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 it can lead to as well now in social media where sort of a comment can spread like wildfire uh, and even if others haven't read it they're not going to be creating their own their own perspective they will just sort of follow the lead of this one scathing review um so i think there's like i think i like when someone has a balanced
0: perspective yes yes exactly i mean i like honesty but But again, what you're doing is like, there must be some kind of incentive for these influencers. They get, well, get why don't we get into, because on your website and what's the website again? It's the
1: tanumcollective.com.
0: Okay. You've got case studies. There's all sorts of stuff, like little things that you do that you've, it's fascinating because you've, you've almost like you've turned these into, packages that a publisher could could buy like i want a read-along for example
1: what is a read-along
0: that's okay that's the first question yes (laughs) the
1: the read-along was an accident in all honesty so uh it came off the back of um a a campaign several years ago with a publisher uh it was it was penguin random house they came to me with a thriller that they that just hadn't been packaged correctly and hadn't sold um at hardback and they said You know, we've got very minimal budget, but what we would like to see is some visuals on Instagram. Instagram was the zeitgeist. Want visuals on Instagram, some word of mouth chatter and um, some author care so that the author can see that the book is being discussed and and that there is a a campaign around it. So the book was set over four hours and it was a a really brilliant thriller. And I test ran it and you could read it in four hours. So on a whim, I thought, let's do a real-time read-along. The issue was that we didn't have budget. And prior to that, I'd been working with big-name influencers where you'd maybe pay £2,000 and you'd get one mention on Instagram. So I didn't have that budget. So what I thought was, why don't I find thriller fans who I know will love this book, And we will work with smaller accounts, but lots of them. So we found 20 Instagram, what we call bookstagram accounts of people that had been reading sort of similar genres. Um, And everyone had around a thousand followers. That could be 800. That could be 1,200. And we had 20 of them. So we worked on a collective follow account rather than an individual follow account, you know, working with one person with 20,000 we had twenty accounts that amassed to, I think it was something like thirty thousand in total. So everyone began reading on the same, you know, same morning. And hidden in the pages of the book that we'd sent out were beautifully printed question cards um, that had, um, you know, page twenty. Please stop and discuss. How do you think the characters are feeling at this juncture? And then there would also be a creative challenge, something along the lines of, please. Go onto Instagram stories and create a video in the perspective of the character and what you think she's going to say next, something like that. So it's not a book club where you get to the end of a book and you discuss. You are discussing in real time with your fellow readers. You're also creating very interesting content that taps indirectly to the to the narrative. So uh, it's not just a what we call unboxing and social media receiving the book look at what I've got in the post, it's actually you connecting with the characters and the content in the book. That then won an award um, and everyone was very happy. And then we got approached by Collins, and we were asked to do uh, the hunting party. And that was the other end of the spectrum, bigger budget. Uh, we went all out and alongside the uh, questions and challenges, we also sent out numbered parcels. So you might get to page 20 and, you're asked to open parcel number one and in the parcel there is uh, an incense stick that smells like pine because the characters at that point are walking through the forest. So it was all about kind of taste and smell and, and texture and how do we bring the book to life and bring those pages to life
0: so we, you had all sorts of fun putting those packages together
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and those are, and that, that's the kind of um i think our usp really is that kind of immersive aspect of it so almost making it filmic um or, or not even filmic but tangible i guess
0: multi-sensual
1: yeah exactly and it's just kind of snowballed from there and I, I, I calculated the other day we've done over a thousand read-alongs now
0: oh yeah. my goodness okay yeah.
1: that's our main um our main focus of the business is the read-along
0: and again so what you do is you'll bring together x number of people yeah. you'll send them out a, a package a kit yeah. or whatever exactly. do they all read it at the same time or not yeah they yeah. do And then I suppose there's all sorts of advanced notice about when this reading is going to take place.
1: Exactly, yeah. So you're given a schedule. It maybe is a week or two weeks and it's 50 pages a day, something like that, um, depending on the size of the book. And we, you know, they apply about six weeks in advance to the read-along happening. So they put it in their diaries. They know when it's going to launch. Everyone's added into a private messaging group. So you've got that, what we call dark social element as well, where as a marketer, being privy to conversation that goes on behind closed doors is amazing. And, you know, we're included in those dark social conversations. So that's where they kind of, to use the word I don't like, but authentic conversation. Right, um, it's not a performance
0: yeah. necessarily, right? It's- yeah, exactly. So, yeah. what um, what do they talk about?
1: Well, everything. They talk about the style of writing, the passage, their reaction to different passages. Um, they might talk about similar authors that they've read. So, I can see a lot of link sharing going on in the in the groups. So, they might say, "Oh my goodness, if you love this author, have yeah. you read this author?" So suddenly, there's again that natural recommendation flow recommendations going on they might talk about the fact that they've just gone and bought a backlist book and should we all do a read-along of our own accord for this backlist title from this author mm-hmm. um, so you can see kind of the fan community growing around new authors but we can do really clever stuff so an author might uh, sorry a client might come to us and say look we've got the new we've got the new John Grisham book coming out but we don't want to reach John Grisham hardcore fans we want to bring a new audience Right. So we will do things in the, the, the way people sign up to read along is via our newsletter. So we might do a special newsletter where we don't mention the author and we say, here's the first chapter, have a read. If it sounds like your thing, sign up to the read along. And so people have, have almost tried before they fall into it. So they'll all apply and then they'll receive the book and it's a John Grisham. Oh, I've never read a John Grisham. Do the read along and then, be a hardcore, new hardcore John Grisham fan and want to go back and read all of the backlist. So we can also get around the kind of misconceptions or the assumptions that some brand authors have that, that would yeah. mean that new readers might not be drawn to them. With with Karen Slaughter, we're working with Collins or for Collins on uh, one of the, the recent Karen Slaughter titles. And for that, we sent out proofs that had no mention of who the author was or the title of the book. And people only learned who the author was after finished, after they finished reading it. So lots of kind of mystery read alongs. They work really well. Yeah.
0: And uh, again, the incentive, you've got leaders of this read along, I assume that get packet, get more stuff than the others get.
1: No, everyone gets the same. Yeah. Sometimes we have VIPs for, for big budget campaigns. We maybe have 10 VIP early readers. And there'll be people that have e- either either been um, someone that's very vocal or engaged in our community, or someone that is a big hardcore fan of that specific author. Um, but they will help us write the challenges. They'll get to read the book, you know, six months in advance, and they will help us to write the creative challenges and the questions. So they feel very involved in the read along from the word go. But normally, with the smaller scale read longs that are thirty odd people that, that will great. be uh, you know very inclusive it will have a campaign manager i mean there's 30 people on tandem's team so there'll be you know everyone will have a campaign manager overseeing uh, every read along and guiding conversation
0: that's really cool
1: thank you uh, on a whim best ideas come from just a you know yeah. on a whim
0: and again the this is all sort of uh, public facing because yeah. they're making comments as they're reading and posting yeah. a whole bunch of stuff right yeah so it's like a book conversation in public
1: yes exactly that right. with visual visuals to accompany it so
0: right. you know and you're serving as a catalyst kind of
1: yeah yeah we 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 are the project managers i guess you know we structure it with the new kind of elements that we can add on. Um, so things like every time there's a new function that Instagram introduces, we have to work out how we incorporate that into the creative challenges because we know that that's going to heighten engagement. So, you know, it's playing around with always changing, you know, changing how many creative challenges there are, you know, what's too many, what's too few? How, why isn't conversation flowing here? How do we get conversation flowing?
0: I mean, what you want though, is you want that public conversation to attract a whole bunch of other people looking at it and saying damn I've got to go read that book
1: (laughs) exactly so that's exactly what we do so we will that's why we'll probably start talking about the read along a bit in advance we'll send books out a week or so in advance and you know there's only 30 slots um but Anyone's followers can also get involved. So they will then message us to say, Could I also be in a private messaging group and could I have the read along cards because they're digital? So we make them available on the website. Okay. Um, so essentially, the only thing these people aren't getting is the book. How do they get the book? They buy it. So uh, and immediately we're contributing to sales. So, you know, we've had read alongs where it's been 30 participants, but we've had over 100 people. So the clients paid for 30 participants but we've had over 100 people participating
0: is that how the client pays then is based on a number of
1: followers number of participants exactly so 15 20 30 and now we do 50 and 100 and the whole point of it as well is that it's meant to be um available to small presses through to the big five you know i the, the company as a business model is all about inclusivity, so that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, the model, in terms of the clients, it is meant to mean that it's accessible to small presses through to the big five, and also community. I don't care how many followers you have; I still value you as someone that can have an opinion and an impact on sales and and marketing. So whether you have fifty followers or fifty thousand, in my mind, you're equal, um, because really, what you're doing is working together as a collective.
0: Yes, you take the overall number. Exactly. Although there definitely are, I mean, there's some people who've got a lot of followers who are all anonymous and who care. you know, that's kind of bullshit.
1: And engagement is low. And yeah. I can see that from our data now. You know, it actually skews our engagement rate. So we have an engagement rate for every single campaign. Um, that we calculate based on, it's uh, the similar, it's a, the same formula that Instagram uses for paid advertising. So that's the only kind of formula accessible to us at the moment, but what we're doing is working out our own. So more to come on that front, but every read along has an engagement number. And what I can see is that as soon as there's someone with a follower count of over 20,000 included in the collective group, the engagement rate drops dramatically.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So yeah. the, the
1: kind of peak group, you're looking at, um, you know, maybe 40,000 collective followers. Yeah. And, and um, what you want within that is lots of nano influencers and a few middle range influencers. So people that have maybe 5,000, but the, the optimum size is around 1500 followers. That's when the engagement is super high.
0: Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And you don't pay them anything; you just give right. them all sorts of goodies and such.
1: And, and you know, it, it's community—that's what they're looking for. And I think yeah. we we were one of those businesses that really uh, did well from the pandemic because we what we were providing people with was distraction and community and connection. We even ran some. We were working on a book called "All the Lonely People," and we did our own sort of anti loneliness campaign. And as part of yes. that, we we had a um uh, a coffee morning on Zoom. And we had people joining from all over the country, okay. you know, just for conversation. And that's what Tandem does. It brings, it connects like-minded individuals over, you know, a shared love of reading. It's very simple in that sense.
0: Well, I mean, I, uh, my, my, for the last fifteen years or so, it's basically I'm seeking out really smart people and authors of course to uh to talk about books and i mean a conversation rounds out a book there's a yeah. book yeah. but if you don't have a conversation about it you haven't really thought you know you can think on your own if you want but there's all sorts of cool ideas that come out that you never you know you never thought about
1: absolutely and i think that's that was my feeling as well as i the, so much joy comes from the discussion around a book and, and reading is essentially an isolated activity. So how do we make this something where there is a connection and there's conversation and it's it's something that's shared? And that's how the read along was born. Um, you know, it's a, a shared conversation around. And also the, the discussion questions. I think that's what a lot of the feedback is after a read along after people have done their first read along is I never thought to think about it in that way. That question that was asked there, I, I suddenly saw the book in a different perspective. And someone yeah. might read it and not love it. And then you have the discussion and you love it
0: because yeah. the discussion
1: yeah. changes your mind. Right. Um,
0: yeah. What's a listener thong?
1: A listener long is an book version. Um, uh, listen so,
0: along, yes. Okay. Yeah. So everyone, everyone listens at the same time and yeah. then then uh, does stuff where whichever media it is, social media. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's so cool. and and the, the thing with the listen alongs is it's time stamps instead of page numbers, but you can do exactly the same formula that you do for a read along, except the questions might also relate to the experience of listening. So it could be, you know, how does having a multi uh, multi narrator cast uh, impact your experience of the book? That sort of thing.
0: Okay. Okay, so um, what else do you do?
1: We do cook-alongs for cookery books. They are very, very popular. Um, and the reason for that is that the, um, the challenges are always around creating video. And obviously Instagram is really pushing video as an engagement, um, you know, for engagement now. So cook-alongs perform really
0: well. What would you do? You'd post video? I don't understand.
1: You'd have maybe three recipes, uh, extracts from the cookery book. Um, and then, uh, and we would maybe send uh, vouchers for supermarkets, or we might send ingredient bundles. Um, and then, over the course of a week, you would be challenged to cook those three recipes, um, and you know, show us your dinner setting with okay. the meal cooked and we might do a cook along with the author with the um with the chef so they might come onto our instagram and do a live cook along and everyone cooks along together so that's sort of yeah cook along
0: you're making reading a kind of a community activity
1: yeah exactly in a way um, and and then dur- during the um, pandemic that's when film distributors started getting in touch and obviously i might i'd, I'd originally worked in film right at the beginning. And then we started doing watch-alongs and again, same concept, um, <laughs> work perfectly well. Uh, we do listen-alongs to podcasts as well. Um, uh, anything works. That the My favourite are the crime thriller read-alongs where they don't lend themselves to kind of in-depth, it's commercial crime fiction. What we do rather than sending out in-depth questions we send them um, cards and a, and a mini evidence board, white clean evidence board, where we will say, please present a mind map of the current potential suspects or please um, create a timeline of the order of events prior to the murder happening, that kind of thing. So people get to play detective. Um, and then we might ask them to stop reading just before it becomes clear who the murderer is and they have to pitch their theories back to one another. Mm-hmm. So it, you can be really, I think when you've got a foundation like the read-along, it's very easy to build out new concepts on top of it. So journal-alongs, there, that's a big one at the moment where you maybe have um, kind of self-exploration exercises for a self-development title. Any genre works, anything. Uh, we've tested everything
0: how does non-fiction work then how, how does that go
1: it's the kind of journal journal alongside so it's right. maybe having um kind of moments for reflection it's it's a longer we did we did a lovely campaign that uh, there's a case study for called a manual for being human and it was a two-week campaign and there were sort of alternate days for reading and thinking and because a lot of it was quite self-reflective, you don't want to kind of put, make people vulnerable and, and um, be kind of talking about very personal situations publicly. Um, so we'd maybe create, uh, ask people to create something more generic. So, for example, there was a challenge in there um, there was a section around childhood. So rather than asking people to, you know, create content around their childhood, we asked them to create a video on being a kid in the 90s so it was all it kind of images and music and you know uh, almost a collage uh, of being a kid from the 90s so you, you have to be kind of very careful and thoughtful with the non-fiction titles it's a very different proposition but what comes out of it is the the kind of private messaging groups the most important aspect of that because it forms uh, almost like a support network and a support group so we've even done we even did a non-fiction on menopause and it was 15 people in the group but we added the author into the private messaging group on the final day and she was able to almost do a kind of seminar with everybody and everyone was sharing very personal stories and feelings and um, so whilst maybe the public facing wasn't as important for that campaign, the private messaging behind closed doors was was very important. And what we saw off the back of that was everyone saying, I'm buying this for my friend, I'm buying this for my daughter, I'm buying this for my husband. So you still saw that word of mouth wildfire. It was just behind closed doors.
0: Yeah, so what you're doing, especially with this user content, the stuff that people create is, you're sort of steering that a bit and getting yeah. them to do, to be creative, yeah. but on your terms.
1: Yeah, and we also run things like, uh, we, we have um something we call collective classes, because it can be quite in- intimidating for someone that's sort of very casually using Instagram to be asked to create an Instagram Reel, and you don't know how to do that. To but do a what?
0: To do a what? To
1: create an Instagram Reel.
0: Yeah, what is that exactly?
1: It's not a video. It's a it's a kind of a short video, but you can kind of sew different bits of video content together, you can use images, you can put sound over the top.
0: Instagram facilitates that, yeah, right? That's
1: one of that's one of the functions that they are pushing very hard because it's one of the rival functions of TikTok. So they are seeing the engagement soar on TikTok and they want to come up with something similar
0: that ticks them off, so to speak, The TikTok has taken that, uh, yeah. has taken that mark, or whatever you want to call that it, market, method. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, so we also run these classes every year, where wow. we basically do 12 sessions over the course of several, you know, several weeks, and we offer training to the community for five pounds, um, just to cover our overheads, um, cool. and so that 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 becomes part of it so you know you're also getting that support in terms of the content that you're creating and and as a group people support one another so someone will say oh my goodness I've just posted my first Instagram reel and everyone in that read along group will be sort of cheering them on liking their post yeah telling them what a good job they've done it's lovely to watch
0: a lot of I noticed that the the case studies that and quite a number of the authors had already achieved a, a level of name recognition so yeah. again you're sort of just bumping that along a bit pushing it a bit I
1: think with the case studies that are on there you know those are that's just a tie that's you know probably five percent of the campaigns are actually working on but they're the ones unfortunately where we've got bigger budget to play with so we can show more easily you know, yeah. the creativity that we're able to achieve. but you know, we also do small press campaigns as well and they'll often share sales data with us um, because we'll, we'll do a, um, a reduced fee um, so the kind of the, the, the return is the, the data that we can collate.
0: I don't understand.
1: So we'll work with a small press, but we'll do a reduced fee. So whilst we might not make a profit on it, and we'll probably maybe even make a loss, um, what we can do from off the back of that campaign is access the data, the sales data. So the, the small press will give us the sales data in a way that a large larger publisher wouldn't. They won't tell us exactly the, the sales figures off the back of what we're doing. So that's our return instead of financial.
0: They can you you can then use that as as kind of proof of product.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. That yeah, so more for our it's more for us to kind of have that understanding and awareness.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. So just getting back to you know linking units sold to the work that you do.
1: Yeah.
0: How how do you do that again?
1: Well, that that that's a tricky one. I wish we could be more kind of precise on it, which is what we're working towards. So that's what I was mentioning about, you know, how do we become a bookseller in our own right, essentially, yes. or how do we collaborate specifically with booksellers? Yes. Um, but at the moment, it it would be to do with anecdotal messages that so at the end of a campaign, everyone that's participated will be asked to tell us how many people messaged them to say they'd also bought the book um, and wanted to take part in the read along. So we'll get a figure off the back of that. Um, But also if we've got a trackable link, uh, we can also see, again, you can't see sales. You can just see how many people have clicked through to buy.
0: And you send that, that, that tangible report yeah. Back to the client, who then yeah. says, eh, I guess I got, I got, I got value for money.
1: Yeah, exactly that.
0: Okay. Okay. And yeah, obviously you want to be able to make it more tangible.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's always or, the objective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there a, like, do certain social outlets work better for certain genres?
1: Yeah, supposedly, yes, but actually not what we've seen in our own experience. So TikTok, the the kind of very popular genre on there is romance um, and YA fantasy. Uh, But actually on our own, on Tandem's TikTok account, crime does the best. So again, I think there's a bit of a misconception in terms of, you know, that only certain genres work on TikTok. I think actually there is a space for everything on TikTok. Instagram, you've got your kind of pockets of different communities. So everything works on there.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was speaking with G- Germany's top literary agent recently, and uh, she told me that one of, the, one of the fun things that she does is to come up with uh, elevator pitches for their books. Yeah. Just so you got the right spin, and if you do that, then obviously, if you do the right spin, you got the right spin, you're gonna you're gonna do well. Do you work with the publishers to develop new ones, or do you kind of take what they're already using, or what?
1: As in that their kind of marketing copy.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah a bit of both, really. So when we are first briefed in, we'll ask them if there's any kind of Messaging or language that they want us to use. That we also then put the onus on the uh, read-along participants. So one of the challenges might be describe the book in one line, or you know what five words best describe the book. So you're putting the onus on the reader, uh, which is always get obviously going to be more effective than the publisher.
0: Yes, and again, you talk about sort of this the grassroots, sort of organic development, right? exactly and yeah. one
1: person might put, hone in on something very different to another person so they might what we often get people to do is uh what two books equals this book um,
0: Oh god yeah that, that that can be a real joke actually
1: well it, i love it because you can really see different people's um nuances for different texts another one i love is um we often get them to do a, um, who who would your dream cast be if this was a TV series? And oh, yes. people love that as well.
0: It's a cross between Winnie the Pooh and Lolita, exactly. for example.
1: Yeah, that exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Well, not exactly that, because I'm not sure what that would come out as.
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> or Harry Potter meets Godzilla or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I see. <laughs> well, they're fun. The, yeah, that's just fun, right? Yeah. Okay, so just winding down here. You have obviously had success with this, and your master plan seems to be to conquer the whole world.
1: Yeah, that is it.
0: And how how are you going to conquer the world?
1: So we've just done two camps. So uh, two years ago, I said to the team, I want to go global, and right. that meant that the, the kind of easiest access points are going to be anglophone territories that's where we're already you know we can just replicate what we're doing in other anglophone territories and then more recently we ran two 12 territory campaigns across seven different languages so oh
0: so
1: italy spain germany france uh, the netherlands japan um wow yeah so it so you know mass scale read longs all you know staggered depending on release date in in different territories but getting each territory to pass the baton onto the next which was lovely to watch and that what that's then allowed us to do is collate data for the different territories so now we our aim will be to approach local publishers as well as the 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 big publishers and but start working on local titles as well as the kind of global brand titles uh, so that is, watch this space, because that is our next, uh, we've got a, we've got a, a group uh, of what we call a pod within Tandem called the World Domination Team. We've got lots and lots of multilingual speakers on the team. So that's how uh, everything's sort of being translated, uh, the pitch deck's translated, the pitch email's translated. And we're starting to build pockets of um, Tandem team members in different territories.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just final question then. Let's say I'm a small publishing house that puts out between 10 and 20 books a year. Mm -hmm. How much? Okay. First, uh, why should I use your company? How should I use it? And how much is going to cost me?
1: So we work on any budget. So some small presses come to us and they say, we've got 200 pounds. What can you do? And we have Sort of menus we do a, we'll build a pick and mix kind of um, package so the small press can say right I want one TikTok video and I want one bespoke newsletter and I want five VIP influencers to receive a copy of the book um, so everything they they can build uh, a package based on their budget out of the options that we present them with and I think why why use us is that I just think we are the best value for money in terms of we will care about every individual title that we work on. Nothing is too small. Everything will receive love and attention because there will be readers out there for every single book that we work on. And I just think, you know, small presses have a hard time of it. They have no marketing budgets. Um, what we've been doing recently... That works really nicely is also sort of doing small press. We've got a small press series that is free uh, where one of the team will interview the publisher or the marketer at a small press. And it's a it, it's an Instagram video. Um, that's also going to be going up on the YouTube. And that's an opportunity to present your catalogue.
0: That's free? It's,
1: free. it's free.
0: My goodness. OK, so how can people get this free service among Just- others?
1: Need to email me, so Naomi at the tandemcollective.com. Uh, and, and we could just have a chat about it. I can say we've got a deck specifically small for small presses that outlines all of this.
0: oh that's fantastic, Naomi.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So I've been speaking with Naomi Bacon. I love your initials, by the way. They're the same as mine.
1: Yeah, they
0: are. And they're important. They are. Yeah, oh, very important. So, uh, Naomi Bacon, who is the founder of the Tandem Collective, based all around the world or based? Yeah, <laughs> yeah based all
1: around the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much again. It's been great.
1: Thank you, Nigel. Lovely to chat to you.
0: Okay. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.